Nerd Appropriate presents exclusive coverage of the Bioware Base recorded live at PAX East 2013. All right, welcome to the Rated NA Podcast for NerdAppropriate.com. We're here with the third in our series from the Bioware base at PAX East 2013. Um, this is the last one for Friday, but we have even more coming to you tomorrow and even more after that on Sunday. And then, of course, we do podcasts every week, so you know, tune in to us if you can. But for right now, Hillary, what are we talking about? So this is a really interesting panel. Um, it was probably actually one of the coolest ones that they did because they really dove into how they create all of the cool stuff that we wear and read and um, pretty much digest constantly. I know I've spent a ton of money at the Bioware store at Treehouse. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> yeah, with my N7 everything. So um, this one really dives into you know how they create ideas. And I don't know, they even showed some prototypes. So there were some special guests, um, Dave from Dark Horse Comics, and then Jed and Alex. Alex is a community manager for Treehouse. They actually showed some new stuff. So they, they got to really talk about the process and, and all, all of how Bioware makes all of the cool stuff that they sell. So, um, yeah, I think it's going to be a really interesting panel. Yeah, absolutely. And um, although it does not translate perfectly to audio, but they in this panel, they did show off some sort of new ideas of things that they're tinkering with. And um, I think just hearing about them will pique your interest um, and probably hurt your pocketbook, which is you know, I think <laughs> what we've all done as we... <laughs> I know I was definitely aroused by this panel. Yes. So wow. I just made... No, no, no. No, no, pique your interest. Oh. Interest. oh your interest. Interest, oh, right. Oh, oh. It's different. It's a different oh, thing. Yeah. I, I'm so, easily confused. So we can, we, can, we can all go back to making card houses with our lithographs <laughs> from buying so many. Um, anyways, uh, Ash, why don't you let the good listeners out there know where they can uh, connect with us, and then we'll go on to the panel. If your interest is piqued by us, um, you can connect with us uh, <laughs> by by finding us on Twitter, and that's uh, at Nerd Appropriate. Uh, it's pretty easy. Um, you can if you if you do a Google search for Nerd Appropriate, we will probably pop up somewhere. But if you want to email us directly and send us all sorts of cool stuff, um, you can email us at Matt Hillary One L Scott or myself Ash at nerdappropriate.com. Um, and do yourself a favor and actually subscribe to the little subscribe button there that you're probably looking at right now. And all of the Bioware panels will uh, be yours for absolutely free. And uh, we have our own podcast as well that we do every single week. And we're about to hit episode 100. So please join us. We'd love to love to have you around. Yes. All right. Let's hear the panel. All right. <laughs> So hello everyone, thank you very much for joining us here at the Bioware base today. Uh, Our next mini panel is about to start. We have uh, some of our amazing partners with us. One of the things uh, Bioware likes to try to do is not only do we try to make great games, but we try to expand the games to what we call ancillary products. An ancillary product can be anything ranging from a novel, a comic book, a t-shirt, a USB mouse, you know, you name it, there's all sorts of different possibilities. With us today, we have some great partners, both from Trios Brand Stores, which are the people that help us uh, run the Bioware store, and we have our friends from Dark Horse Comics. So I'm going to let our panelists introduce themselves and what they do with Bioware or with their partners. And then uh, the friends from Treehouse have some upcoming ideas. The first time we're going to be showing those publicly to get some of your feedback as to whether this is the sort of thing you'd like to see on the Bioware store. And we're going to be talking about some upcoming Dark Horse products as well. So I will turn it over if you'd like to go ahead and introduce I'm yourself. I'm Alex. I'm the community manager at Treehouse. Hi, I'm uh, Jed. I'm the uh, founder and CEO of Treehouse. I'm Mike. I'm the creative guy for Dragon Age. I'm Nick. I'm a concept artist on Dragon Age, and I worked on the uh, upcoming lore book. I'm Ben. I'm an editor on Dragon Age, and I also worked on the upcoming lore book with Nick. 
Uh, I'm Dave. I'm an editor at Dark Horse Comics, and I work on the Dragon Age and Mass Effect comics, and uh, also the Dragon Age lore book. Now, I think since what we have on the board behind you is some of the art for the upcoming Dragon Age lore book, uh, maybe Dave, if we want to start off, you can give a little highlight as to what the book itself is, and then maybe let uh, Ben and Nick talk about it. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, so the book is called Dragon Age, The World of Thetis, Volume 1, um, and it is a comprehensive lore book um, uh, about pretty much everything that you've seen and a lot of things that you haven't seen from the first two uh, Dragon Age games all in, in one place. Um, it's really designed to be uh, as deep and complete as a hardcore fan would ever want it to be, but also presented in a, an accessible, easy way so that um, you don't have to read it cover to cover. You could certainly just flip to your favorite chapters if you are really into the Fade or Canari or Ferelden or whatever it may be and, and uh, get a, a good dose of lore there. So um, we really wanted to feature all of the amazing work that the Bioware team had put into this universe over the years. Um, and, uh, and we also wanted to have a platform to show off a lot of the amazing concept art that's developed uh, in the course of uh, these games that is rarely or never seen um, outside of the Bioware offices. Um, this was a, a real opportunity to, to show off uh, the work that these artists do. So, um, so yeah, that's the, the sort of the, the broad uh, overview of the book. It comes out next month. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I'll turn it over to Ben and Nick here. Actually, I've, I've, got, I've got an idea. Mm-hmm. Because if I were you guys, I think, you guys can tell me if I'm wrong, it'd be really cool to hear how we kind of go through the different stages when we're dealing with any of the ancillary products. Maybe we start with the lore book. And um, Could you start with like how, we, how the idea kind of germinated? Like, you know, your end, our end, and the discussions we had first, and then we'll come down and these guys, these guys put it together so we can kind of work our way down, then approvals, and then distribution. Isn't that, isn't that nice? Sure. That's a good idea. Is that okay? This is why he's a All director, right. folks. <laughs> Um, Guy. So, uh, you know, so we work really closely with the developers on uh, whatever game franchise we're doing books for. Um, we'd already been working with the Dragon Age team on Dragon Age Comics. And uh, so we, uh, we would go up to Edmonton for a meeting to talk about upcoming story in the comics. And, um, and for the lore book... Uh, as we would discuss these things, it, it just it just became clear what a huge depth of uh, content there was that we were drawing on to tell these stories, um, and uh, and Bioware and Ben will talk about this um, had already been starting to uh, consolidate all of that information for their internal use, and um, so we, we realized, well, hey, this is really this is really information that the fans are going to want to have, and we can present it in an accessible, attractive way, um, so that you know they can then show up their friends with their Dragon Age knowledge for for all time. So, so that was sort of the uh, initial germination of it, and then from there, um, we would you know build a schedule that um, breaks up the process so that it can coordinate with these guys who are busy making a game uh, in addition to a book and, and uh, work with our designers and, and, our, and our print and editing people so that, uh, so that everything runs smoothly throughout the process. So that's sort of how things start. And um, on our end, uh, Nick and I, we both work at BioWare. Um, Nick is a concept artist and myself as an editor on the, on the, with the writers. Uh, Thetis is, is I, I think of it almost like a giant fictional sandbox with, very, with a ton of rules that make it seem like this very deep living world. And then on top of that, we tell stories within that world. Um, and there are a lot of people doing a lot of things to contribute and build upon it. And so what I did was take all of that, or try, try to take all of that, it was a lot of stuff, and put it into a single resource that everybody can sort of go to and um, 
pull from so that we stay on the same page, so that we, 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 we all live in the same world. And um, this was done internally. Um, and then start, that was sort of how the lore book started in terms of content. We, uh, we, we went through that and we, we made it sort of this nice handheld guide to the world um, written in an authoritative voice that takes status to be the only world. Um, no in-world com- uh, comparisons. It's, this, is, this is the way the world is according to the people who live in it um, as opposed to the creators of that world. So it's, it's uh, much like you see, in, much like you see in, in the games or the ancillary products, uh, perspectives are everything. Um, just like in real life, we don't know everything about why everything exists. So there's different, like, different religions, for instance, and different people believe different things about why they're in Thetis. Um, I, we, we wrote the book understanding that. So it's, it's, it's law as perceived through the eyes of people who live in that world as opposed to people who are, are creating it. Um, and so what, 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 I, what I did was uh, basically brought it all together and then put it all uh, out there in, in a way that was easy to, easy to digest. And uh, when Dave talks about having um, multiple entry points, uh, this was something we were very cognizant of from the beginning. So we wanted a book that you could read from cover to cover, or you could just open a random page if you have five minutes on the bus or anywhere else. Um, and, uh, and, and you want to just read a little nugget. There's a timeline that runs the length of the book. There are multiple um, uh, new in-world, uh, I mean, in the game, they would be codex entries uh, that the writers have written, uh, tons of them, um, from different characters. Some of them, you know, people like Jenna TV, other, other people maybe, followers from past games. Um, and, yeah, I, I basically, with, with uh, the entire writing team, uh, built, built this, the, the text of the book. Um, and then Nick came in with the art side. Right. <clears throat> So the other side of things, we were lucky to have an art director who uh, really believes that we're not just making games, we are trying to build a world. So if we've got a little bit of extra time between designing a million sets of armor, he'll say, start exploring this part of the world a little bit, just for fun. Just let's start getting the ball rolling on it. Because of that, we have this vast wealth of concept art that has never seen the light of day that we were able to use to illustrate the lore book. Um, it was really fortunate. Uh, it, it was kind of nerve-wracking going into this because we didn't know if we had the art, and then suddenly opened up this cache of art, and we're like, holy cow, we did this. We did explore this place. We did explore this culture, and um, so that's been, uh, that's been great. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I don't have much more to say than that. About the process. So I guess, the, okay, so the process for me was basically trying to put together as much relevant art as I could for, for each, each chapter, and then... <clears throat> There were the odd times where there, we didn't have anything where I'd do a little bit of work to actually create something for that section. Um, we sent it off to the talented team at Dark Horse, and they would send mm-hmm. us back beautiful, beautiful pages. And yeah, that, so was, beautiful. that was essentially <laughs> that was essentially my process with it. So, with um, with uh, the different actually, this is probably an interesting segue is with the different groups we find we um, we have different relationships in terms of how this stuff is developed. So. Um, Dark Horse did a lot of layout with existing assets that we provided, but you guys pretty much work like off the cuff, off of like you know off the game. But you're you're the ones creating the asset. Um, could would you guys can we can we talk about how you do that? I'm actually really curious. Yeah, because because I so my roles I see them as approvals, right? It's just like here, this is this cool thing. I'm like, damn, you know that's that, that looks really good, and so on. So I, it's a little actually opaque to me. So yeah, absolutely. So we have. Um, you know, we have an in-house art team, a, a really talented group of illustrators, and we all um, uh, spend way too much time uh, playing the game. Um, my, my, the excuse of, hey, this is research for work, worked for like the first 10 hours of Dragon Age with my wife, and she's like, it's not research. Um, but, you know, that's really where we start. Um, you know, we, you know we, we love the games, um, and we play the games for the stores that we run. Um, and that's always a starting point. And so, um, because Bioware has such fantastic uh, community, 
Um, you know, we, we, we really do a big internal brainstorm that also reaches out of, um, you know, what are people asking for on the forums and what are people messaging us about in Facebook. Um, and, you know, we'll sort of turn our artists loose and say, you know, hey, let's, let's create some great stuff for, uh, for Dragon Age or Mass Effect or any of the other titles. And, you know, I'll, I'll sort of, um, I'm not the creative guy, but we'll come start, you know, come up with the giant list and then, um, you know, start, start building things out. Um, at the end of a week or two weeks, whatever, whatever that particular sprint is, we'll have a bunch of, of designs to look at. Um, so that's, that's sort of where a starting point on, on our development. That's good. And then, like, from my end, again, it comes back to me either, okay, I think you guys basically handled the lore book by yourselves, and I kind of yeah. got the near final version, which that was awesome. I mean, <laughs> like, management tip 101, hire the really competent people. <laughs> then you don't have to do it. Um, so yeah, you guys, you guys are on fire, and then with with trios where I see, it, and I know I know the art directors will be heavily involved as well. Like if oh here's a t-shirt design, here's that. So Matt Goldman and Derek Watts will offer, offer their opinions and stuff as well. Um, and so the approval basically for us I, in an ideal world is largely kind of a rubber stamp. But you know, there's usually a few notes that go back like okay, that one's you know, too pink or something. Some if it's my feedback, it's terrible, and I apologize. Um, <laughs> Though, yeah, yeah, more pink. Um, so that, that leaves us in an interesting scenario where we're doing it. Um, I think that the, the thing is we have, we have the lore stuff that's kind of an internal initiative. We were trying to document our own stuff and, and tackle, and that was something that I kind of set in motion. I, I, like we mm-hmm. basically brought Ben on to do that. You're, you're a, was it a crime reporter? Yeah. Yeah, yeah so Ben yeah. covered the murders. So we decided to give him a break. Yeah. Um, but so that's where we start. But that was internally driven. But then you have just the stuff that's just so obviously amazing. Like the, the, you guys still carry the guns. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, can we dig in on those? Because the, yes. guns, the guns are cool. How do you guys make the guns? Uh, so the uh, are we talking about the Triforce replicas? Sure. So uh, you know we do um, the stuff that's in in the Bioware store. Um, our team makes maybe sixty or seventy percent. Um, and then we work with great partners, you know, whether it's Triforce for the replica rifles or, you know, Dark Horse on the, the Normandy replica or the Reaper ship um, or, or the novel uh, in terms of collectibles and, and essentially try to, you know, big picture of, of what we've been trying to do is before there was a Bioware store, if you wanted all of this great product, you had to go to, you know, four or five different places and, you know, Maybe it's only at a store and you couldn't get it online. And we've tried to pull all of it in together. Um, and the great thing, you know, for us is working with folks like Dark Horse is, you know, we're able to get visibility into product that's coming out and then say, how do we make something, uh, you know, really amazing for, uh, for the hardcore fan or for the collector? Um, and so, you know, we do something, you know, we do the, uh, you know, the, the collector's edition of the lore book that, um, you know, comes with, uh, you know, you can probably give a better mm-hmm. description than me, but, you know, sort of a, a full leather clamshell, and there's a there's a lithograph in there. I think the, the signed ones are already sold out, but uh, the remaining have a lithograph. And, you know, we, we sort of, you know, there, there are people that are casual fans, and they're like, hey, you know, maybe I'll get a T-shirt. Um, but I think, you know, a lot of folks, including ourselves, are like, hey, we, we, we want the really uh, exclusive stuff, the really interesting stuff that, um, you know, you know us uh, and 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 Bioware and um, you know folks like Dark Horse or take the extra step and whether it's extra content or or um, you know additional product that, that goes in. Um, so the replica specifically um, that was designed by a company out of New York called Triforce and they do you know really amazing um, you know the the uh, Avenger rifles like 22 pounds. You know how do we ship this to Australia? Um, but you know that's that's. Uh, we, we typically have a Komodo dragon that pulls a cart. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's how we do most of our transplantation. Yes. But that, that's actually a good, yeah, we good do stage coach. point for Trios. You've recently opened up a, a branch of the store to help aid Europe yes. uh, a lot better. Because this is being recorded and we're going to be releasing it as a podcast. And so I'm giving a little call out to our friends in Europe. But we... You know, I know you guys have listened to that. You know, oh, it's hard to get product from North America to Europe. What can you do for us? So you went out of the way to to make it happen. Yeah, and that, you know that's one of the things. It's um, you know a lot of ways still a work in progress of trying to find. You know how how do we make how do we get people product faster? How do we get people product less expensive? Um, how do we figure out how to deal with you know taxes and tariffs and, and all that type of stuff? And so 
Um, you know, we have, uh, we, we did open an EU store and we're, we're actually working on, um, uh, you know, improving that and getting more product in there regularly because it's, you know, it's the challenge we run into is, hey, you know, you have some limited edition collectible. How do you, how do you have it in both places and, and service uh, fans around the world? And so something that we're, you know, we're working hard on and, and always trying to improve. I think it's interesting, too. There's things the fans don't know about the shipping costs, like when you're shipping a huge weapon. We're making personal calls to the customs office in your country to make sure that that item can get there safely because weapons, you know, they don't always look like replicas. They don't know. People at customs don't know what they are. And they get stopped. So we make personal calls for people you know, and sit on the phone with the customs office to get them those items through customs. And that, you know, if it costs a little bit more to make sure that we're sitting on the phone for 25 minutes with Australian customs, I think, that's, I think it's fair. I do too. <laughs> Uh, just on the screen behind us, uh, we not only are working with uh, Dark Horse Comics on the Dragon Age lore book, we also have another series of Mass Effect comic books coming out. Uh, Dave, if you wanted to talk a little bit about that. This was just revealed the other week at uh, the Emerald City Comic Con, I believe. That's right, yeah. Uh, so this is uh, our uh, fifth um, Mass Effect series. Um, each of the series stand alone, so you can certainly start here. Um, and uh, it's called Mass Effect Foundation. It launches in July. Um, it is uh, written by Mac Walters, the lead writer of Mass Effect 2 and 3. Um, he's actually plotting and scripting the comics himself, um, which is pretty exciting um, that we uh, get to use his time. Um, and so this comic series, to give you a little context, uh, takes place concurrently with the Commander Shepard trilogy. Um, and it's uh, going to span all three games. Um, and uh, each, each issue is going to feature um, one of the core Normandy uh, crew members in some capacity. So uh, it's a really exciting series. I, I think that uh, it's a great opportunity for fans of the, the Mass Effect games to spend some quality time with these, with these characters now that the trilogy is complete. Um, and, uh, yeah, we're really looking forward to it. And speaking of completing a trilogy, we have also another Dragon Age comic book coming out with you guys. Isn't that right? Uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, this month we're launching uh, Dragon Age Until We Sleep, uh, which is, um, this is, uh, yeah, the third uh, Dragon Age comic series we've done. These are plotted by David Gator, the lead writer on the Dragon Age games, and he wrote a few of the Dragon Age novels uh, I'm sure some of you are familiar with. Um, and uh, this has been a really great story to tell. Uh, we're always glad when we can uh, expand the lore and, and sort of contribute to um, the the lives of these characters that people really care about. So, so these these comics feature uh, Alistair and Isabella and Varric, um, and they're on uh, a mission together to find out what happened to Alistair's father, King Merrick. Um, this uh, this third series is is where it all comes to a head. Um, they're gonna they're gonna find out what happens to Merrick, and there's gonna be a big showdown with the bad guy, Aurelian Titus. Um, there's gonna be uh, some some craziness in the fade. So uh, so yeah, it's gonna be a great series. There's um, one thing actually I could jump in on here yeah, is we um, we've actually been working on our process for when we're dealing with creative stuff. Um, this is this is probably the, the most, I don't know, it's the most dangerous but also the most rewarding part of, of working with the partners is when the work they're doing is accretive to the worlds. Because we, we tend to look at, you know, Dragon Ages, like Ben said, it's a world we're trying to add to. So we've been lucky. We've had, you know, lead writers working on our comics. We've had lead writers working on novels. And that, at that point, it's like, okay, well, it's all kind of canonical and, and it's all, it's very simple for us to be able to kind of keep that in, in check and make sure it all feels right and the tone's the same. Uh, but as we've been branching out, we, uh, you know, we, we want to deal with other authors. We'd like to get some more voices. We'd like to tell more stories than just with the same characters. So um, that's something that we've been working pretty closely on is, is the process by which we do that. And we've started to settle into um, kind, of a, kind of a core route that we go through when, we, when we're trying to do this. And it usually begins with identifying like a need, right? We would like to do a new novel for Dragon Age or we'd like to do what have you. Um, and once we once we've done that, uh, you know, we'll start talking with you know Stacy from Tor. Or we'll talk to Dark Horse or whatever about this thing being a reality. And when we do, what we've started doing is providing not just like we want to tell this story, 
because I find that disengages authors and stuff. That, you know, when they feel like they have no ownership, it's like, here, tell the, tell the one about this. And at that point, it feels like work for hire. Um, what we've started doing is actually providing, like, okay, so this or this or this. Like, here's three possible options. These are all stories that we could explore. And if you want to explore in these spaces, um, we then start going through a, a process where they usually pick one they want to really lock down on. We start to work out some core story details. What are the key revelations? What are the new things we're going to introduce? Um, do they fit with the themes and so on? Do they excite the writer or the author or screenplay writer or what have you? And if so, we go, okay, cool. Then, then that we start the approval process. Then we work our way through to kind of a, a short pricey, you know, three or four pages. Here's the high beats. Here's the major story elements. And then we work our way to a more detailed outline. And then they actually will put together the novel or the comic. And then it goes to scripting and so on. Um, I found that while it can be kind of tricky to, okay, well, we want to come up with more than one, we've gotten a lot more engagement and buy-in when we're dealing with authors if they're able to kind of like pick the one that excites them the most uh, so we're hoping to see some really good results um, we use that approach I, just for an example on Dawn of the Seeker um, the animated film that uh, Funimation put together uh, for Dragon Age and it was it, it worked out pretty well like we were like well you know, we'd like, we, we've got a couple of stories we could continue to dig into. We think it'd be good to explore other characters. They were like, well, we'd like a female lead. That, that seems to feel better, and it's something that the uh, studio is very comfortable with. So we said, okay, cool, and that's how we kind of narrowed down in on Cassandra and talking about her origin story. So that's kind of the process we went through was these are the kind of stories, these are the kind of characters, and we kind of tumble it around until we come up to something that is now ready to get that kind of treatment. So just one more, one more way we do that. Cool. Uh, now, while I understand this will not go over well on the podcast that we'll be releasing later, uh, one of the cool things that we have uh, fortunate here at PAX East, Treehouse has brought along some ideas. Uh, these are projects that are still in development, so they're not finalized yet, uh, but they are they're kind of looking for your feedback. You know, are these the sort of things you'd be interested in? You know, what do you think of this sort of product? So I'll let Jed and Alex talk uh, about these products, show them to you, and you know, we want to hear from you what you think of these things. Um, let's start here. Okay. So we keep getting asked for backpacks. Everyone wants a backpack. This one is like a molded rubber backpack. I don't even know who created this one. Yeah, EVA. It's an EVA foam. Um, sort of matches the uh, the back of Shepard's armor with, with the armor stripe. Um, uh, we we've been talking about lights. This one does not have lights. <laughs> Um, but you've actually been considering it? Oh, well, we've been there's so cool. Yeah, there's a there's a cool technology where you can do a, a like a molded polymer with uh, uh, with an LED in it. So we've been we've been sort of doing some some development on how realistic that is. Nice. Pretty cool. I'm still afraid of getting electrocuted. <laughs> <laughs> now you just need incredibly powerful magnets for my shotgun. These are something that a lot of you have seen um, that we've been working on finding. It's not also just necessarily about the art. It's about finding someone who can produce the item the way that we want it to look and at the price we need it to be at so that we can get it for you. But these are some things we're working on right now. We, we're, we had to find a printer. Yeah, <laughs> we're, working on, we're working on sort of all of the character hoodies. and um, it, they're, they're actually... Um, you know, this was actually a fan fan idea who who sort of sent them out there, and um, you know, we, we've been uh, we, we sort of were working with her on actually figuring out how to make them because trying to trying to get all of the different parts to fit across a seam in different sizes um, it takes quite a bit of engineering. Yeah, that, um, that that must be a challenge for you because really a lot of the time when you know Nick can can attest to this when we come up with the ideas for. The characters or whatever it might be in the game. We're not really thinking about how is that going to turn into a hoodie. Yes. <laughs> or, or cosplay. Although we're getting better with yeah. cosplay for the future. It's actually because the community doesn't necessarily understand why we want this particular item and they'll want it and they don't understand the logistics of, okay, we know that you want it, now we have to figure out how to make that happen. And it's not always like a, sure, we can have it done in two weeks, you'll see it in the Bioware store. Like, it takes a while to make it look as good as we would like it for you guys. And, the, and I think the, you know, making sure we get the right quality as well um, because you know, th these, are, these are such terrific, uh, terrific games and terrific IPs that if we're going to you know, ask someone to spend uh, money that they worked hard for, um, we want them to feel good about the purchase. Um, and so that's you know, the, making sure the quality level is right, something that's very important to us. I'll this one. I should, yeah. 
this is. You you wouldn't want just anyone doing that one because someone else could have gotten it wrong. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> This is one of my you know, personal favorites that we've been working on. This is actually an armor hoodie. So this this has this has a ways to go, but we're working on uh, you know getting getting the hood that comes down, um, and again you know sort of engineered from panels. So every single piece that goes on this uh, you know gets mapped out, gets gets catted out on a tech pack, and then um, a lot of back and forth with um, with our factories and our samplers. This is another one that you guys might have seen that we're still working on. Essentially the N7 leather jacket. That is one of the most requested items that I see. Yes. And I, you know, we put some pictures out there, and it's, it's hard to because you have to find people who are like, okay, I want a leather jacket, but I want it to be $18. <laughs> and, you know, I'm, and I want it to look exactly the way it did in-game, and it's, and it's hard to, like, okay, well, leather jackets don't cost $18. Not only a leather jacket for $18, but one that won't fall apart the exactly. moment you put it on. It won't melt onto you in the rain, but this is, uh, I think this is beautiful. If you guys want to take, come up and take a look at this later, but that's just something that the colors need to be changed a little, but it's, I think it's pretty nice. So the other thing that we're, we've been working, you know, gotten a lot of feedback on and have been trying to do is more women's stuff. Um, you know, folks that have been on our store, it's, it's um, you know, tends to be fairly heavy focus for men. And, um, you know, not every T-shirt uh, for women needs to be like a crew neck T-shirt. So we're trying to do, uh, you know, whether they're burnouts, um, uh, cool tank tops or, you know, sort of dolman hoodies and just having having the type of uh, breadth of product for women that we do for, for men as well. Um, uh, and that, that's, that's another area that we've, we were focus, focusing a lot, of, a lot of our time on these days. And then not only clothing, uh, I know that among the most popular sellers, you know, our hoodies go down really well, the N7 hoodies for Mass Effect. You know, a lot of the character materials, the, the ships from Dark Horse, that sort of thing are incredibly popular. But one of the things that always sell really well are the lithographs that are made. Uh, and I know you have a couple of concepts here. So. One of the neat things that we've been trying to do lately is expanding kind of into to screen prints and getting, there's so many, there's so much attachment to this community within, you know, with, to the characters within the community that it's interesting to see, you know, giving a really fantastic artist, like, hey, do something that you love for Mass Effect and seeing where it goes and getting to bring that to you guys is really fun for us and it can people love it or they hate it but it doesn't it's kind of neat to put that out there and I like seeing people's interpretations because it's almost like the characters and the story exist in their own world now and, and I think I mean what you were saying earlier I mean this is sort of the take of um, you know taking taking the franchise but instead of a you know completely literal translation of this is concept art it's you know he, here's something inspired by um, and we're actually working on uh, on doing this for Dragon Age as well. Um, and I think some of these we're going to give away um, today. But we can, if you want to just hold them up. Yeah. Again. So all, all these, oh, sorry about that. I'll, I'll take that jacket. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, it's your size as well. Yeah? <laughs> Beefy? Let's see. That carries her. So this was one. This guy's actually uh, does a lot of editorial work for the New Yorker, um, and we just sort of gave him gave him a theme um, of, of sort of the you know decision that that you have to you have to make and knowing uh, how to make in, in Mass Effect Three. Um, this one is actually James Flames, who's uh, a terrific uh, manga screen print artist. Yeah, um, you can see the metallic ink here that doesn't photograph well on the website when you look to the side. It's, yeah, that's one of the challenges we have with it's, artwork. It's hard to shoot artwork all the time, especially when you have neat... Screen prints are so complex. And this this one, actually, we haven't shown anybody yet. Um, but this is a jaclay that we did. Um, uh, so, and this is all hand-drawn. Um, it'll be up in the store in the next... Uh, and the next week. And the next week. Cool. So that's a brand new tally print that will be coming up. No one has seen that yet. But just all the different styles that you can bring to it when you get artists who are kind of outside of the... Yeah. I love this one. 
And personally, as, as a Bioware staffer, I'm really happy uh, when I see other people interpret the art. I mean, it, it's awesome when people take screenshots of our game and, you know, I love this moment and I've put it online or whatever. But when I see, I am always most impressed by art. Uh, I like to think that I can write okay, maybe not as good as our writers. And I'd like to think that if I went back to school, I could learn programming from the you know ground up and think I can't art, I can't art at all, like on computers with freehand anything. So when I see art, whether it's done by you know Nick or members of our team, or by really talented artists that work with people like Treehouse or Dark Horse or whatever and create our comic books, create our lithographs. This is the stuff that as, you know, I, sure, I'm a Bioware employee, but I'm also a huge fan. And when I can see stuff like this, it's like, yeah, take my money. I, I'm going to give you my money as well because this is just awesome, awesome stuff. It's exciting, too, for us to get to see the artists get really excited because you mentioned Mass Effect or Dragon Age. Like, oh, my God, I want to do something for that. And they get really excited to be able to create something to go along with that, that property. So that's, I mean, that's usually one of our requirements of, you know, when we're going out to find artists, we actually, you know, we don't want to find an artist and then have to tell them about the franchise because it would take forever. Um, you know, we, we, you know, want them, hey, Mass Effect, and they get really excited and like, oh, I know exactly what I'm going to do. Um, and that, you know, that, that's sort of one, of one of the things that we look for when we're, when we're reaching out to illustrators. Uh, just because this would be running through my head if I could art, which I can't, um, is there a, is there a, like a, a good way for someone to, to talk about submissions or samples or something like that? Like if someone in the audience were had some amazing stuff, is there a good way to reach you guys? Or you know, how would you want to hear? Yeah. yeah? <laughs> Alex, come, come see is, me uh, after class. <laughs> this, this we'll put my number on the right? screen. Thanks, guys. Yeah, a lot of times when, you know, when our artists are just having trouble with an idea or we're just not quite finding something that fits, I go to the community and I say, hey, guys, like, I'm really struggling with this. What do, you, what do you want? What would you buy if it was... You know? nice. And we get some stuff that's amazing and some stuff that you're like, oh, okay. Like, maybe not so much <laughs> that's enough. enthusiastic. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, it's cute because people who aren't artists who want a certain product yep. will send, like, cool drawings. Oh, okay. That, yeah, that's what I... It's just really funny because conceptually they're great, but, you know... Yeah. And, and, and sometimes we get... I mean, sometimes we're able to take concepts and make them, <laughs> make them into something. So if they want to reach you, it's, you know, our community Facebook or at community Treehouse. at treehouse Shoot me an email. But, yeah, our Facebook and, you know, our, I look at the forums and everything else. There's so many talented artists in the community that it's hard to even find all of them. So when they contact me, it makes it easier. And that's great. Uh, we do want to have a little time if anybody has any questions out there. So uh, but before we go to questions, were there any final points or anything you, want, you guys wanted to bring up? Sorry, here, there. I didn't hear what you said. Were there any final, final points you wanted to bring up? Oh, final points. Other than I want to see these up close. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I I'm, guess I, I'm more interested in, in hearing what uh, any questions you guys might have about the book, uh, the process we had in making it, or uh, some of the things that are in it. Uh, uh, because it's not out yet, uh, I don't have a physical copy, but we lived in that thing. So uh, we can sort of talk a little bit more about what's in there. Um, yeah, so did anyone yeah. have any questions? Uh, raise your hand. Yes, you, go ahead. Um, this is for Dark Horse. My question is, I know that when you're working with writers, not all writers know how to write for comic books. Is that a struggle that you guys have? Or do you, is the translation a lot easier when you're working with people who understand the Dragon Age comics already? So, um, you know, we've found that uh, a great writer, a great storyteller, um, has a set of skills that translates to other media. Um, you, I mean, you're absolutely right. There, there is a learning curve to learning a new format. Um, things uh, that work in games don't necessarily work in comics. Things that work in comics don't necessarily work in games. I, you know, I think it's it's true when you uh, bring a, a comics writer to novels or, or a film writer to comics. Um, there is a learning curve there, but uh, but. My experience has been that uh, the the fundamentals translate uh, very easily. So um, when Ma the Mass Effect comics are a good example, that uh, when uh, we first started working on the Mass Effect comics, Mac Walters would write a plot 
And then we would have John Jackson Miller, a comic scripter, come in and translate that into a comic script. Um, and that worked really well. And, and you know, that, that was a function of, you know, Mac's comfort with re- working in comics. It was still very fresh to him, very new. Um, and also the time commitments of, of working on the Mass Effect games. Um, but uh, as we progressed on the comic book program, um, Mac wrote a few eight-page short stories himself, scripted those, and you know was approving the scripts all the time, getting used to the format and stuff. And you know now he he writes them all himself, and and they're you know they're fantastic, they're really solid. So um, I think that uh, you know it's very it's very difficult to teach great storytelling to someone, but it's not so hard to teach somebody a new storytelling format. Anybody else have a question? Uh, let me pass you the mic. Hi. Um, this is for the Treehouse guys. Um, I love all the Mass Effect stuff. I, you know, but I also really, really, really love Dragon Age. <laughs> and there's not a whole lot of Dragon Age stuff out there. Is there a reason for it? You know... Um, there's not a good reason for it, um, and it's actually something that, that we um, we have quite a bit that's in development um, uh, that wasn't ready to show, um, but there's going to be a, a big update to um, pretty soon to the Dragon Age section of the store to get sort of that product mix um, uh, back in line with, uh, with with Mass Effect. We actually have to we're going to spend some time chatting about that awesome. uh, <laughs> uh, this weekend. But yes, there, no, there's not a good reason and. Yes, it's something that we're we're actively uh, working on. Do you take ideas? We love ideas, absolutely. I mean, we, we get ideas from everybody. I mean, I, I, you know, we talk with the Bioware team, we talk with the art directors, we, we come up with stuff, and um, you know, ideas from fans or uh, anywhere in the community are, are absolutely welcome. I have these ongoing lists that I keep, okay. and I write, cross things off when they get produced, or if I, I cross things off, they're completely not able to be produced, but I keep track of everything. So every time we brainstorm, I have all those notes that I bring from you guys. So. Will said a question. You mentioned how like you considered it important to keep the novels that you're writing like canon to the games, but you do have a lot of different formats. You have the comics and the novels, and the games, and then you said, like, the animated specials. So how, like, committed are you to making sure that none of the canon conflicts with each other and that they all do work together? Like, is there something you do for that? There is. Um, so there's, there's two, two really key points. I mean, the, the, you know, the, how exactly do you keep something all, all working together? Uh, and we, haven't, we, have, we don't have a 100% success rate on this. Uh, there's some stuff that, that, that kind of slid uh, offside, uh, and and so we've, we've been kind of ratcheting that down. Um, the first thing the first thing we do is uh, we we've kind of come to terms with the fundamental issue of the fact that uh, your Alistair might be dead, right? And and yeah, there he is, prancing <laughs> around in the comics, right? And and we've kind of we kind of asked ourselves like, is this going to be a long term problem? And what we've decided is we've settled on essentially a core canon, which we've got as the thing that we use when we're doing them with ancillary products. And this does not by any means make it the right canon. The right canon is yours. It's in the one in your safe game. Um, and it's, you know, that's, that's your Thetis, right? But the Thetis that we're going to launch off of, and, and simultaneously this is very helpful for us because, you know, we, we try to make it so, you know, Dragon Age 3 is coming out, and I, I don't want someone to be like, oh, I have to import, and I, I can't play this game, and that's why new character and all that stuff. The canon that we use for novels and comics and, and so on actually matches the one that you would get if you didn't import anything, right? If you just started the game, you'd get the same, oh, okay, Alistair would be king, and so on, and so on. So, uh, because we recognize that as a necessity for continuing to make the games, right, unless we wanted to, like, put this mandatory thing, we were like, okay, cool, well, there's, that's pretty comfortable. Uh, I apologize if it does weird anyone out that, that, you know, a dead guy is in your comics, but consider it a what-if then. Um, and, and, and we really, we haven't got it, we, we, you get the occasional grumble, but it hasn't been a big problem. Uh, the other strategy you have to employ when you're trying to kind of wrangle that much canon is, is it's been used, like LucasArts has, like, guys, and that's their entire job, is to wrangle that canon. Uh, in our case, we have a Ben. Hello. And, and, you know, but, but this is the thing, is we actually brought Ben on. Like, when you, when you started, Ben was basically a contract 
employee we brought in to make the lore all go, right? To go through and, and you know, you're detail-oriented yeah. and, and we, we established in your interview you weren't an ass. So yeah. Yeah. that worked out well. That was, well, I, I apparently said then. that at the end of his interview. <laughs> well, you're not an ass, so this yeah. is good. Um, uh, HR will call me tomorrow. Um, <laughs> but with that in mind, basically, like, bring him in and say, like, this is a targeted job and I'd like someone who's mm-hmm. a pro, someone who can do research and, and put together cogent and coherent thoughts like a reporter would be perfect for this. So you came in and did that and then moved fully into editing, but you're mm-hmm. still basically helping a shepherd, right? And then somewhere between you and me and Dave, we kind of all know all of it at any one time, and then we write it down as best we can. Basically, I, my background was in journalism and newspaper journalism where, where uh, facts are law. I mean, they should be. And um, I was obsessed with always getting everything right and... and um, but I was not happy with doing that job anymore. I was a huge, I'm a huge game nerd, and I thought maybe I should try to see if there's an opportunity for me in Bioware because I love games and I love Bioware games. And I, and I just, it, I lucked out. I took a, I took a chance. I took a, I took a second career, basically, um, going from permanency, and which is rare in journalism, to. Uh, and then it, it worked. So, but then I took what with journalism that sort of fundamental uh, obsession over, over, over truth and over, over needing to get things right. Uh, and I, I, apply, I apply it to a big part of my job as an editor at Bioware now and making sure that I personally cry in the shower every time there's something wrong. <laughs> so if there is ever anything wrong. And I, with the lore book, I was, I was crazy obsessive over making sure that... Um, because the lore book was a little different from the, the comics. I mean, I, I, I or, or other ancillary products. I look at like a, a comic as that's that person's Alistair. That's the writer's Alistair, you know. And maybe, and then you can read what that person sees out, uh, where that person takes Alistair. Um, and it's it still plays off that sandbox idea of Thetis, uh, where different people will play in it in different ways. Um, with the lore book, as much as possible, I tried to write everybody's status and I know it's not going to be everybody's status but I tried very hard to not make the what's in there alienating uh, for people um, by by sticking to the fundamentals of what makes Dragon Age Dragon Age so I remember just as funny anecdote for Ben's obsession with truth as he called it Um, there was a there was a meeting where the, uh, some of the tech designers, the guys who do the gameplay and implement the levels and stuff, were doing a, a, a plot kind of thing where you were, you were following chasing trail signs. And, yeah, and, and it, like, this didn't happen. I got, I got a very terse email. But what, what might as well have happened is Ben's hand breaking the sound barrier as he raises it. <laughs> uh, because, because we were not in an area where the chastened were found. <laughs> Erico, they should not be leaving trail signs. And you, you were absolutely right. Yes. Absolutely right. <laughs> if, if perhaps a little more heated than I expected from that. But yeah, uh, that's, I, that's I surprised myself. So. You, got, you, got, <laughs> yeah. you got to have someone who, who has made it a job and a passion yeah. to care about that kind of thing. Um, and we all do, but like, that's the nice thing. We have, we have dedicated mm-hmm. editors who can basically own it and be like, no, 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 hold on. That doesn't sound right. And then we have to, we, we really have to culture. Uh, um, an atmosphere where Ben, or we aren't going, oh, whatever, whatever, it doesn't matter. It does matter, and it should, and we should get it right, and we're not going to get it right 100% of the time, but we can damn well try. And a, a good example of that is um, the timeline. Uh, I mean, with so many people adding to the world, even internally, uh, sometimes things contradict each other, and so uh, had to, I had to sort of make some hard decisions with certain things in the book because certain things didn't make sense but needed to be there, and so uh, so where where possible, I, there there will be a few let's say revisions to things. Um, I, I think I joked uh, in a blog post I had earlier that Weishaupt is now properly in the Anderfels because in the original map it was on the other side, which was technically this is how much I care. <laughs> Weishaupt, yeah. So, but anyway. uh, I, that's actually kind of a, a great place to end. Uh, we we uh, thank very much. Our friends at Treehouse and Dark Horse for coming out and joining us for this today. Uh, Thanks to our panelists for joining us. But that's it for this panel. Thank you very much for coming out. Thank you.
so that's it from the Bioware base. But we here at Nerd Appropriate would like to thank Bioware for uh, allowing us to bring this content to you guys. Um, and if you are new to this site, uh, Ash, why don't you give them a little rundown of who we are and what, we're, what we've been up to. So we are nerdappropriate.com, and we do a podcast by the name of Rated NA. Uh, and we're actually coming up on our big 100th episode. So we've been doing this for about uh, two and a half years. Uh, do not listen to the early episodes, please. Uh, <laughs> they get better. They age like a fine wine or cheese. You should absolutely take a look through our archives of different podcasts um, where we've had some amazing special guests from the Bioware universe People like Patrick Weeks, uh, David Gator, Mike Gamble, Ali Hillis, Courtney Taylor, Jennifer Hale. It doesn't get any better than that. So um, we're super honored to have such amazing special guests and, of course, to Bioware, as always. Absolutely. And that's not all. If you've been uh, listening to these podcasts, you've probably heard our theme song that starts and ends every podcast. And that theme song was composed by Jimmy Henson, who was uh, one of the composers on Mass Effect 2. Um, definitely visit his band camp, um, big giant circles, check out his website. Um, plenty more mass effect music and other cool tunes, um, on big giant circles. So thanks for listening. And of course, uh, if you are digging this content, follow us at nerd appropriate or, or follow Bioware and let them know that you're digging the stuff that we're putting out. Uh, and as always subscribe to the podcasts and you can keep getting these wonderful little nuggets of joy in your, uh, your podcast feeds. So thank you guys so much. Until next time. See ya. Bye. Thanks, guys.